Welcome to the media ministry of Crossroads Church Aspen. To learn more about Crossroads, visit our website at ccaspen.com. We hope you enjoyed this message by Pastor Steve Woodrow. So I just want to invite everybody here and watching online, just boy, let us help you to get connected. Um, we have multiple community groups, we've got microchurch going on, we've got discipleship groups. We'd love to connect with you, we'd love to help you get connected in these times of, uh, of drifting, honestly, and of, of uh, just confusion and everything. Let us know how we can help you um, in these times for sure. We want to connect with you. Um, also, just thanks to those of you and your uh, continued giving and tithing and worshiping, uh, three different ways. Obviously, thanks to everybody shifting over to online giving. Um, remember, this is, we're not raising money. Church is about worship. Our giving is part of what we do to honor um, our God and uh, rejoice in Him. So uh, thank you for that. Um, all right, we're going to dive in and uh, this morning, um, and I want to just focus on this issue this morning of, um, for some reason, there we go, um, of don't drift, stay sober, um, is kind of what we're looking at. Don't drift, stay sober. Uh, we'll see this is kind of Paul's driving thing as he's encouraging the church in First Thessalonians 4, we'll be starting in verse 13 of chapter 4. Um, boy, the tendency to drift, and uh, that's what's happening right now in a, in a pretty massive way. Uh, Barna just came out last week, one in three are not returning to church right now in America, and, um, and I say not returning, I, might, I don't mean they're, they're not just coming back to large gatherings, but they're drifting from any kind of fellowship context, um, and there's a lot of reasons for that. Uh, stay sober. And there was this easy to get wrapped up today in all of the noise, all of the fear-mongering, everything going on today, and to lose spiritual sensitivity, to remain sober and alert to what God and the Spirit of God right, is saying to us um, during these times. And so uh, we're going to be encouraged this morning by Paul's words to the Thessalonians, right, do not drift, right? be assured of, of our salvation and what God has done for us. Make that the anchor right, for our hope, and do not, um, watch out, stay sober, stay sober and alert, right, and the only way these things can happen, as we're going to see this morning, is in the context of Christian fellowship, it cannot happen alone, it must happen, right, in fellowship um, with each other, so I'm going to dive right in, let me just pray before we dive into the word of God this morning, Father, thank you, Lord, for your word, Uh, Lord, I pray that your spirit of God would come, Lord, all those watching online, those that have gathered here, Father, I I pray that we would be just encouraged with the incredible promises you've given us, Lord. Let us lean in and hold on to those, Lord, even more than ever before. Lord, Jesus, you promised we're two or more gathered, Lord, that you are there, you are present, Lord. You're serious about your people gathering and being together. And Lord, I pray that you would just restore that, Lord, in, in whatever context, however many groups, whatever size group that, uh, that that can happen, Lord, we just, we need to gather and encourage each other in this time. Lord, I pray that the word of God, Lord, this morning, that it would come, Lord, like a bolt, like a, like a, a fiery um, fire, Lord, inside our soul, Lord, as the early apostles said, our hearts were burning as we heard the word of God. Lord, I pray that it would just sear deep into our soul and awaken us, Lord. This morning, Father, increase our hunger for your word, Lord, among your people today. Make us hungry for your word, to hear your word, Lord, to follow your will, to hear from you, God. Lord, I pray you'll awaken a new context in your church, Lord, of of encouraging each other, Lord, and uh, with your truth and with your promises, Lord, and with the testimony of your power and what you've done, Lord, in our lives. Lord, we love you. Speak to us now, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, First Thessalonians. As always, I just encourage you to get back to paper, gang. Lose the distraction of your iPad, your iPhone, whatever it is. Get to the paper so it can be just the Spirit of God and us into the text. Um, it's more important now than I think ever before. All right, so we're in First Thessalonians 4, starting at verse 13. Here we go. But we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about those who are asleep. Now, the scripture uses the idea of being asleep uh, uh, to, uh, to believers who've died. In other words, that 
death is defined from the Old Testament to the New Testament of death is something that a believer never has to worry. free. Jesus died for us that we'd be free from the power of death. Death never has a hold on a believer, somebody who's in the family of God, who has Jesus as their Savior and Lord. Death defines in Scripture someone who is unsure of their position before God, who is not in relationship with God, and who uh, is... Uh, um, uh, and that's death, right? That's how we see, which also includes physical death. And so the idea of a sleep when a believer dies, it's just a temporary, the physical body is in the ground, right? And temporarily until Jesus returns, as we're going to see, and unites our entire being. But we know we have the promises of God's word that when we breathe our last, when we know Jesus, immediately, the scriptures we're going to see right here as well, is that we're immediately in the presence of God and we're to encourage each other, right, with these words, And so he says this, I don't want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about those who are asleep, um, that you may not grieve as the others do who have no hope. In other words, um, Paul is saying that uh, to us, the word of God is telling us that the very foundation of hope is understanding the work of the cross of salvation, what Jesus has done for us in defeating the power of sin and the power of death, that death no longer has a hold on us. And, um, And that grief is that for grief in the church, in the family of God, is to be one of mourning, yes, the loss of our brother and sister, but the great hope, right, that we're going to be reunited with them, as we're going to read this beautiful language here, uh, is to come, that there isn't any hope. It's not the end, right? Um, But the hope, again, death defines. Those who don't have that assurance of Jesus is there is no assurance, there is no hope of what happens uh, um, after death. Listen to these words, it's amazing. Verse 14. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. For this we declare to you by the word from the Lord that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will not precede those who've fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of an archangel, with the sound of the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. So when Jesus returns, it's going to be this incredible worldwide event. And the first thing that's going to happen is the dead will rise. In other words, those who've already gone, who've fallen asleep, those who know Jesus and have died and in his presence their body is not resurrected yet when Jesus returns there's going to be a wholeness going to get their eternal body at that time that will be the first thing that happens when Jesus comes all this together in his coming and he he goes on to say this for the Lord himself will descend Uh, we just saw that Um, verse 17 then we who are alive at that time who are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air and so we will always be with the Lord. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. This is the rapture passage. Um, I'm going to get in some of these. There's so much in these verses we're going to look at this morning. I'm going to give some more details in the Daily Faith Builders throughout the week. Um, More details about the rapture and some of these questions that um, uh, that everybody has, if you uh, uh, want, if you don't receive those, you can call, uh, call us here at the church and we'll get you on that email list. Um, for those things. Um, what I think we need to focus on here this morning, specifically, is this first uh, um, thing. I have four things for us this morning to hopefully hold on. I hope you'll go back to this text. And uh, when we're, we're trying to fight, folks, this battle of fear going on today. Fear is taking over our nation, is taking over people's lives. And I want to say something very boldly. I, I think this is, call it prophetic or whatever it is, but what is happening, folks, in our country right now, the very functionality of our society, very the structure, the formation of, of our society is being reformed. Relationships themselves are being reformed and altered, right? Our societal makeup is being altered right before our very eyes. Relationships, how we deal with one another, how we treat one another are being altered more than we'd ever, ever realize. And all of that is being uh, moved on by fear, okay? Our actions we're doing as a nation right now are putting, are, are, are actually being such adverse um, or blind to the, to the adverse consequences of what is going on today and fear is just taking over. And there is a breakdown of society happening at a great level than we'd ever realize a breakdown in relational context and the very structure of society itself. Um, and as God's people, 
We must be sensitive, right? What does scripture say? Um, He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. To the churches. In other words, is there a sobriety, a spiritual sobriety, right, that is, is, is coming alive in the church that we're more in tune with what God is doing? Or are we more conditioned by what the fear-mongering and all the language that's going on out there in society? God's people, we're children of God. We're to listen to our Father's voice. We're to listen to and obey Him, by the way, first and foremost, over anyone else, right? And um, what's happening right now, there's such great confusion, right, in in taking over. So I just have four things here in these passages this morning that I hope will encourage us to fortify our faith in this onslaught of fear that we're um, under right now um, to help us just to formulate, right, uh, the wisdom of God. Lord, give us ears to hear what you're saying and doing and strengthen the hope of your people, right? And and that our hope would be, uh, you know, fortified, have a, a foundation that it's supposed to have. Now, I just asked, after reading this, he ends, verse 18, with talking about the rapture, the coming of Jesus, and that we'll be with the Lord, and, and that those who have fallen asleep, we're to consider it that. We're not to grieve like the world grieves, right, that it is fearful of death, is that we are to rejoice and realize this day is coming. And, and Paul says, you're to encourage church each other with these words. I want to ask you just very clearly this morning, when was the last time somebody encouraged you with the return of Jesus? And that you're the reuniting of you with the family of God. When was the last time in your conversation bringing encouragement to somebody that actually the second coming of Jesus was part of your conversation? In the church in America today, is that where we're, is that where we're focused? No, we're focused so much more on politics and on this world and, and what's happening here, right? And caught up in all that than we are the things that are to be foundational, right? To our hope of, of what we're to really be leaning all right, into, in this first uh, part of this, folks, I think without the assurance of salvation, it is our greatest weapon against fear. The absolute assurance of who we are as children of God, what Jesus has done for us, and, and that the freedom from the power of death and the power of sin, right? That the very, all of the blessings that come to us through Christ Jesus. And by the way, in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, there's this amazing promise, and, and it, it says this, the Word of God says all of God's promises, not some, not just New Testament promises, all of God's promises are what? Yes, in Christ Jesus. The key is, is we have to have faith to appropriate and battle for those promises. They don't just come by osmosis. They must be battled for. Just like when God led the people into the promised land, the blessing didn't come without a battle. You can't have the blessing without a battle. It takes faith. I just wonder, is the church ready for that battle? Are we laying hold of the promises of God, battling for those? Or are we just cowering in fear, right, to, to just give out to let the world, whether it be the medical world or whether it be the political or whatever it is, to just heed what, the, what they're saying rather than, right, let's, let's, let's listen to the word of God. Let's listen to what God has to say on this stuff, right? Assurance of salvation, folks, it's our greatest weapon against all this fear. And I just, I want to ask those watching and those right, who are gathered together is, if you were died tonight, you've heard the old question, how sure are you of your salvation? Sitting here this morning, watching online, how sure are you that if you died, that you would be in the presence of God? Folks, all the scripture, and let me just say, we all battle. We all have times of, oh, of struggle and with this whole thing of assurance. And the rubber meets the road when we're alone. Nobody's gone. It's quiet. My soul's quiet. I don't have any of the noise of TV and everything else. It's just me, quiet before God. And I have to really wrestle with, okay, where, where is my soul at? Where, where's my worry and anxiety level at? How am, I, how am I really before God? Are you here? Do I, do I have a sense of peace? Do I know that I know Jesus? Do I know that I'm a child of God? Do I know and have the assurance, Lord, on your return that I'm, I'm going to be with you? And folks, that's where we have to get. And here's the reality is if, if, and folks, this is so important. All through the New Testament, over and over and over and over again, the message is be assured have confidence. Don't drift. The whole book of Hebrews. Five strong warning passages. Watch out, church. Do not drift. Do not forsake gathering together. Watch out for apostasy. Watch out for the drift. Watch out that you lose your confidence. Watch out you don't fall in the desert like the Israelites did. 
The drift happens quickly. Watch out. Any little crack in the lack of my assurance and my going in, into fear and into the things of the world, any crack there opens a door for the enemy to come in and put me into the grips of fear. Right? And, and, and for fear to take hold right in my life. And now, right, I, I don't, I, I can't lean in by faith to the promises of God. Now, how do we conquer? How do we get there? Uh, let's just be honest, right? I, the last thing we need to do is to say, oh, yeah, yeah, I know that I'll, I have the assurance. I know, I know that I'll, when I die, I'll go to heaven. So we, we don't want to say things. That's religion, ritual. We want to say something out of reality. And if we really struggle with these things, the question comes, how do we build ourselves up in the assurance of our salvation? How does that happen? How do I come to that incredible confidence that allows me to walk through trials in life and, and, and uh, um, whether it's getting into a, a hot air balloon <laughs> craziness, right? And, and or on a plane or anything else and to be able to, Lord, we're in your hands. We're in your hands no matter what you throw our way, right? If you get COVID, is it, Lord, I'm in your hands. I'm in your hands. Either way, it's a, it's a win-win. If I, as Paul says, man, if I go on, if this is my time to go, I'm with you, Lord. If not, you've got more work to me for me to do here. How do you get there? How do you get to that kind of assurance? Do you realize here is loud and clear. It is impossible, folks, to grow in our assurance if we do not gather together and encourage each other. It is the context of encouragement that happens when the body of Christ gathers together face-to-face in fellowship that the strength of faith, that the encouragement comes of one another that the assurance of who we are, it is impossible to continue a growing faith with God, right, outside of a growing sense of understanding the importance of being part of the body of Christ and gathering together to encourage and serve each other and worship together. Um, And so uh, I want that to, to, to lead into it. And one of the things, folks, that God is doing right now is he is absolutely putting his church under trial in America and revealing just how radically the American church is off base on this issue. And, um, and unfortunately, what's happening is now we see a battle within the church of people, right, who are caught up with fear, going with the way of the world, versus what the scriptures actually command God's people to be, which is the family of God. And we see this internal turmoil happening in God. What God is concerned about is that his people would be a family gathered together regularly. And again, doesn't matter, you know, as long as it's, it's, it's gathered together with communion at the center, whatever size that is. That's what he's concerned about. And right now, one of the trials that's happening right now that's just pulling, Barnard just came out last week, one in three right now is not returning to church. 33% cross the board, doesn't matter what size of the church is, people haven't returned, are not returning whether it's returning to a little small gathering or a large gathering. And that number is increasing. The drift is happening at a rate. It is weeding out right now um, through God's church. And you know what? Throughout history, this is what he's done. And so I plead with you, don't drift. Be sober. Realize what God is doing. Who is driving? Is fear driving your actions or is faith driving your actions? And without gathering together, it is impossible it is impossible to maintain an assurance and the strength of faith in our lives, right? Now, that leads us to point two, is that the core aspect of heaven is being with Jesus and with the family of God. Uh, you, you hear about it all the time, this talk about, well, if I get to heaven or, or maybe heaven or, you know, what, how is it that we as a people, and this creeps into the church, I... I it's amazing how nonchalant we talk about heaven and hell, if we even talk about hell. As a culture and a people, even in the church, how nonchalant. Okay, I'm going to say it loud and clear this morning, okay? There's something a thousand times worse than getting COVID. I'm telling you right now, folks, let me just lay it out. There's something a thousand bajillion million times worse than getting COVID, okay? And let me just go a little further. There's something a thousand million times worse than dying. We need to think about it, church. There's something worse than dying. You know what it is? It's not knowing the Lord. It's not knowing the Lord. 
And until the church wakes up to that reality that the greatest thing in all of life that we're willing to lay our lives down for is knowing Jesus as Lord and Savior and that he has been in his hands for all eternity. And right now, what happens in the church and society, right now what's driving society is the scariest thing, the worst possible thing that could happen is you get COVID. That's not the worst, not even close to the worst thing that could happen. Right? Death is worse, but there's something even worse than death. And until the church realizes that the worst thing that could possibly happen is if somebody goes through this life without the assurance of knowing Jesus. That's the worst colossal thing. As we're going to read here, the consequences are unfathomable. And why does that not have the church gripped? I have to be honest with my own heart. Why doesn't it grip my heart for people? Why is that not, why not fearful? Why am I not driven by that? Lord, Man, the thing that should drive his church is there's people who don't. It's a thousand worse disease than COVID or Ebola or go down anything. There's something that's far darker, far more big and consequential. It's that people would die without knowing God. And until the church realizes we're willing to make a stand on this in the midst of a culture and call out things and, and be more about the... the the holiness of God and pleasing God rather than pleasing our culture. Until that happens, you know what? God is going to continue to purify his church. Right? And until, here's the other thing that God is doing today, loud and clear, I believe it with all my soul, is he is trying to restore his church to understand what church is. American Christians do not understand what church is. We have bought, and us leaders have over time, presented a very wrong, um, and we're reaping the consequence of this right now. Um, we have turned church into entertainment. We've turned church into a come and consume. We've turned church into a, a wrong idea of what community is. Folks, church is family. And the, the very way that we're reacting to the social distancing and everything that's going on right now reveals very clearly we have no clue what church is. Now, let me just drill this home. Matthew 12, you go to, I encourage you to go there. Jesus, he couldn't have stated any clearer what family is. He was teaching and someone came to, hey, Jesus, your mom and your family, they're out. They need to talk to you. What did Jesus say? He used that opportunity and he looked at his disciples and he said this. He says, these are my family. And then he went on, he says something very profound. He says, anyone who does the will of my father, that is my family. Anyone who does the will of my father in heaven, that's the family of God. And that family is the family that is to take priority over all things. Yes, and even Jesus, think about it, in the context, his Mary and all of his brothers and sisters, um, they did not know who Jesus was fully at that point. He's making a strong statement, so strong. The beauty of it is, come Acts 2, you see Mary and the brothers and sisters, they had come to salvation. They had moved from his biological family into what? The family of God. And until the church realizes that there's a priority in the family of God, the eternal family of God, is we will not be the people we need to be and understand what gathering is all about. And folks, when Jesus says his family is those who do the will of God is, man, let's play this out in our own biological family, especially as a father of, of children myself is my role. Any family role is, is that ultimate goal is, is not to huddle and protect my biological family. It is to make sure that my children, my family is what? Is walking in the will of, the, of their heavenly father. And to realize is to not walk, and the scripture's real clear on this, to not walk in his will, right, is to be set outside the family of God. Those are strong words, but we're going to see it. And this is why Paul, in those strong passages, has set them out. If they're not willing to submit to the will of God, then they're not part of the family. And there's consequences for that, that being set outside the favor of God. Outside his blessings. But we, the church in America, we have so watered down the holiness of God and what family is. We, we played little games with God to think, to think that hey, I can live how I want to live in, in contradiction to what God says and still be part of the family in the favor of God. Not an option. 
My family is who does my will. Hence, when the family gathers together in worship, whether it's small group or large group, right, it's to be this encouragement of let's stay in his will. Come on, brothers and sisters. I need your encouragement. Keep me on the straight path. Keep me according to your word. I want the favor of God. I want all the promises of God that, that he can give me. Um, I'm a big A.W. Tozier fan, and man, he's been rocking my world with some stuff I've been reading. Here's a line. He says this, Tozer, it moved him. To me, Tozer in the, was probably the greatest prophet of one of them of the, ni- of the 20th century in America. And he said this, he says, <clears throat> I am today what I am because of my response to God. I am right now today what I am as a response to God, how I've responded to God. I am today what I am because of my obedience to my heavenly father. And then he goes on and says this. He says that we have all of the Holy Spirit that we want right now. Think about it. Then he goes on, he says the unlimited. Remember, what what does Luke chapter 11 say? Jesus says, if you fathers are evil compared to God, right? And you, your children ask for a good gift. They'll give it to you. What does he say? He, he says, how much more will your heavenly father give to those who ask him the Holy Spirit? Tozer goes on and says that God is not holding back is we can have all of him we want. The question is simply, it's on my, how am I responding to God? How am I responding to his will and his promises? I can't sit back. There's the other thing that he's, God's cleaning out of the church. He's cleaning the entitlement. He's cleaning the cheap grace. He's cleaning this therapeutic idea that I can blame somebody else for my lack of faith. He's cleaning it right out. It's nowhere in here. We will stand before God, give an account. I can't blame anybody else. I am what I am because of my steps of obedience of what I'm going to choose and take hold of from his word. I cannot blame it on anybody else. Folks, those are strong words. They go completely against the current of what our culture says today, right? Personal responsibility before God. I am what I am today simply because of what my response is to God. And God never puts a limit on what he will give me. The question is, he's like, you gonna take it? You coming? You gonna come be part of my family? You gonna come inside my will? You gonna learn to be led by the spirit of God? Are you gonna learn to take hold of the promises of God? And see the testimony in your lives? Man, this is, we have to encourage each other. But you know what? Christian fellowship is defined more by a therapeutic kind of thing. Sit around and, hey, well, tell me about what you're struggling. Oh, what are you struggling? It needs to be more vibrant and more centered on the power of God and his holiness and the promises of God and faith that I need to take hold of what God has for me. And you know what? I need you in my life. I need you encouraged. Come on, Steve, go for it. Don't sit around. Don't, don't play a whiny game because this happened or this failure or your circumstances. Faith means I rise up regardless of my circumstances and I hold on to the promises of God. But here's the deal. I can't continue to do that without fellowship, without the encouragement of others, right? And the consequences are massive. Twelve spies sent into the blessing. God blessed God's people. He took them out of Egypt. He had a blessing. He had the promised land for them. He took them to the edge of the promised land, sent 12 spies in. They came back. Only Joshua and Caleb said, man, there's giants in there. It's amazing in there. God, by his faith, he has promised uh, his angel to go before us. Let's go take it. The other 10, what'd they do? Fear. Folks, listen to me here. Fear took over. Fear took over and the majority ruled. The majority should never rule when it comes to the will of God. And what happened? Majority ruled and what happened? They could have gone, they didn't need to eat manna for 40 years. They they didn't need to wander around for 40 years in the desert. The promised land was there for their taking and they didn't take it. And all of them died in the desert except Joshua and Caleb because of their faith. Wow. Folks, it's sure, we're, we're in our own lives. Am I taking it? Fear is taking it. There's no difference today, man. The church is put at the edge of the promised land. And God's saying, church, what are you going to do? Are you going to buy into culture? Are you going to water things down? Or are you going to step in? 
And take faith and, and, and go, go with this fight. And remember, the blessing into the promised land, it doesn't come without a battle. And Joshua and Caleb knew that. They, they realized that we gotta go battle, but I'm willing to go by faith. Let's go. God has that for us, and God, he sent his angel before us. As Moses said, I'm not gonna go anywhere, God, unless you're not with me. I'm not going. You know what the problem with the American church is? We have been going, going, and going, and never sitting back and asking, Lord, are you with us? We've got lights, we've got bells and whistles and online technology. Have we ever stopped to really think, God, are you with us? Are we going the right way? Is what's happening among your people what should be happening, right? All right, let's move on. Um, 1 Thessalonians 4, uh, excuse me, the next passage is starting in verse 5, chapter 1. Uh, chapter 5, verse 1. Here we go. Listen to this. Now concerning the times and the seasons, brothers and sisters, you have no need to have anything written to you. For you yourselves are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. While people are saying there is peace and security, then sudden destruction will come upon them as labor pains come upon a pregnant woman and they will not escape. But you are not in darkness, brothers and sisters, for that day to surprise you like a thief, for you are a children of light, children of the day. You are not of the night or of the darkness. So then let us not sleep as others do, but let us keep awake and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk, they get drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love and for the helmet of hope of salvation. For God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. There's something worth, worse than dying, folks. It's the wrath of God. There's something far worse than dying. And the American church is not clear on that today. Because the American church has not made that clear to a watching world. There's something worse than dying, okay? And this is why the grace of God and the gospel must go out as, through the children of light, right? For God is not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we might live with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. Wow. Encourage one another. Uh, again, are those the kind of things that we talk about with one another to encourage one another? I don't think so. Not in the American church. Not in the American church. We're more concerned about feelings today than we are the truth of God today. And feelings will never be fixed until faith takes precedent. And my feelings get submitted to God. Then my feelings can truly come alive with the fruit of the Spirit. We got it all backwards today, right? And so, folks, this idea of peace and safety, when Paul says that day, when Jesus is coming back, on the day of the Lord, when he returns... Um, the whole climate of the world will be this one of peace and safety. So let me just break that down, what, what that means. Okay, it means, remember, um, this is being written at the time, the greatest empire ruling was, the, was Rome, the Pax Romana. So it was this prideful human idea that we can provide peace for the world, we can feed the people, we can entertain the people, right? During Rome's height, right, a thousand ships a day were coming to port. They gave free bread every day to the people, and they entertained the people freely in the Colosseum. They numbed the people. They numbed the people spiritually. And they made the people feed on them, on the government, so that they would listen and just do whatever they had to say they would do. Peace and safety. You read in the Old Testament is this same idea of peace and safety. What it means is this idea that also this human pride that says we can bring peace to the world. By our politics, by our legislation, we can bring peace. Let me tell you, have we ever done a good... Now, let's just bring it down right now. How are we doing as a nation? Unbelievable, isn't it? The pride of the human spirit to think, look at what's happening to our nation right now. Mankind is utterly incapable of bringing peace. Again, peace and security is only found in Jesus. It's not found in anything else. Peace and security is only found in Jesus. There's no other solution. But we keep as, as a culture right now and as a nation, right, keep, 
Keep this prideful thing. And what, what reveals where the level of that goes, and this is where we're at today, folks, um, in our culture, is that we think we're immune from the wrath of God. We think that we're immune from the judgment of God. We think we're immune from actually having to be accountable to our, the consequences of the way we've lived as an individual and as a nation. And Jeremiah warns Israel in the Old Testament, watch out. Don't, don't get numb to the reality that the day is coming. He's returning one day. Don't get caught up in the, the cries of social justice, of peace and safety that we can bring about this change and change the world. No, you can't. You will end all of those attempts in great disillusion unless behind them, right, is the spiritual justice of the gospel to change hearts, right? And nowhere, nowhere in the Bible does it tell us to go change this world. This world is passing away. We're to be light in this dark world. We're to be separate from the world. As it says, you are not children. If you know Jesus, you're not children of darkness. You're children of light. And you're to live accordingly. And that's why he goes on to get very practical with the sobriety issue. He's mainly talking about spiritual sobriety, but he uses the idea of, of being drunk, intoxicated with anything that would numb me, right, to the reality of the spiritual realm, right? You know, the old saying, right, nothing good happens after midnight. The older I get, I think nothing good happens after about 10. But, you know, uh, there's a reality to that, isn't it? Why do we sleep at nighttime? There's a reason why we sleep at nighttime. From the very beginning, I'll do this in my daily faith where we break some of this down more, but all right, there's, there's this, this, this uh, um, great move through the beginning of Scripture. God created light. He didn't create darkness. Darkness is the absence of light, right? In heaven, there is no darkness. God's glory will outshine the sun. How glorious, right? How glorious. So live, church, as as children of light in a dark world. And, and don't buy the, the lie that you can change that darkness. It's dark. Your role, our role, is to be a light so that other people, what, would be attracted to the light, not the darkness. That they would, in their lives, see Jesus and experience the only one who can bring, ultimately, right, peace and safety in their lives that no, no one else, right, can, can bring that only only God right can bring that does that make sense gang peace and safety only Jesus can bring it folks only Jesus final thing in this is uh, man light fades into darkness folks if we do not stay sober how many Christians the church in America uh, kind of tried to live in this gray zone Light, it fades into darkness. The light fades, right, if we do not stay sober, alert, as the scriptures are admonishing us here. Stay alert, stay sober. Watch out that you're not numbed, right, by, by this thing. Make sure that you, you're gathering together, being God's people, right? Being God's people. In this time, and folks, the drift is happening, and there's this argument about family. The church has to rise up and say, we are, we're family. We must gather, right? And again, don't get me wrong. It's in the right context, but we must gather. And we're, we're, a, we're a family, and we must relate to one another that way. And God is restoring that reality, right, to us in this day. One of many, right, many things today. And folks, I... I I think what's so important, the other thing I think God is, there's so many things, but I think the other thing that God is doing clearly today in America, among his people, now let me step back first before I say that, and say this, is that um, the primary thing that God is concerned about throughout history is his church. I'm going to say it again. The primary thing God is concerned about throughout history is his people, his family that he's come to redeem. He wants a family. His primary concern is not what's happening politically in America. America is one of many nations. And um, Proverbs 21 says the, the king's heart is like water in, the, in God's hands. And he moves it. And he moves the nations and everything. What? To accomplish his kingdom purposes for his church. And if his church will not wake up, 
is that God will move that nation and other nations like we see in the Old Testament to what? To purify and wake his church up. Now, and, and is that how we think? As a child of God, is the, most th- is the thing that we're most concerned about is, and, and so I just, to prove it, look in the scriptures, look Old or New Testament, God, when he looks at the whole world, he's concerned about his bride, his people. Governments and nations rise and they fall. And what's happening right now, and the proof of this, again, is to the end of the Bible and the revelation of Jesus himself, the last book of the Bible. The first, three, first two chapters are, are uh, the letters that Jesus gives to the churches. Seven, which means the totality of the church, and every single um, seventh letter at the end, it says, he who has ears, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. Not he who has ears, let him hear what is being said on Fox or CNN or whatever, But he who has ears, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. That is where the church is to to reign and to live, right? That is God's primary concern, right? And folks, um, the state of our nation right now is, if you read Romans 1, it's time for the church to stand up and be very clear about what is going on, is that we have endorsed clear things that are an abomination to a holy God. Romans 1 is very clear that our nation currently is under the wrath of God. The consequences we're experiencing right now are because as a nation we have made decisions in totality that are far from God's heart. And God will never, just read the Bible, look at history, he will never allow a nation to go so far until what? Until his judgment, his hand comes. Okay? God's people. And all of this is in line with trying to make his people holy. Make his people holy in this, in this process. And folks, to be the light, the city set on the hill, right? And isn't it sad that throughout history is that it takes some persecution. It takes for the decay of the Roman Empire or the decay of the American Republic for God's people to wake up. I'd encourage you to read um, Revelation chapter 18. It talks about God's judgment of Babylon. And um, we, need, we need to seriously take a look at where is America? Where is America? Um, I'll deal with that this week through the Daily Faith Builder, right? And you say, gosh, Steve. So here's my point of what God is doing right now. God is weeding out of his church in America right now a hope on the government and on America rather than a hope on being citizens of heaven. What God is clearly doing right now is he's rocking the church, And he's revealing within the church how many people have put their hope and are putting their hope on politics. Who's going to be voted into office? Don't get me wrong. We've got to be good citizens. We've got to be involved. Don't get me wrong. But underneath, where is my hope? Is my assurance that I'm a citizen, as Philippians says, of heaven? And I'm longing, Lord, come, Jesus, bring the kingdom. Or am I more consumed about what's happening politically and so consumed about trying to somehow make America Christian? America is a pagan nation. And the reality, folks, is so sad, but in God, retrust is out the window, okay? And the sad thing is it was a wonderful experience, and, and who knows what God's going to do. I pray for a revival among here. We hope for that, right? But remember, our hope is not in a reviving of America. Here's a radical thought for you. Could it be that the church needs the decline of America to actually come alive? Do you realize that's what God has done throughout history? That's what he did with Israel? Now see, that alone just has to really rock our world and it's rocking many in America today who have more of their hope set on what is happening politically in our nation. Folks, our hope has to be in we're citizens of heaven. And the only thing that God is primarily doing is he's bringing people, a healthy family together that he's going to pour out his incredible eternal blessings upon. He's going to renew this earth. He's going to bring justice. He's going to bring it all. That's our hope. That's our hope, right? And, uh, and to be light in the meantime, to be light, not caught up with all this stuff. Again, don't get me wrong, we got to be involved. We must be light out there. Because remember, there's something far worse than America declining. There's something far worse, right, than our, the society we have grown to love fall apart. There's something far worse. What is that? It's that people do not know the creator of the universe, the lover of their souls, the one who's come to sacrificially die for them and invite them into the family of God. 
That's the worst thing. That's, that's the worst thing. Until that grips the church, the church cannot be what we need to be again, right? So folks, I hope you take these four things and folks, let's, let's encourage each other with the glory of the gospel. And the gospel cannot be glorious to me unless I really understand what I was saved from, Right? I don't understand grace unless I understand the magnitude and seriousness of sin and what Jesus had to do for me. And the problem in America is we've tried to celebrate that. We've tried to celebrate the gospel without the repentance, without taking sin seriously. can't do that. And um, we're to encourage each other with these words, right? With these words, build up, as he says, each other with these words. Man, what is my hope, you know? And so in conversation, when we get sideways, and we all do, I do it myself. I get sucked in. I take the bait. I go after that, you know? And we need to encourage you that, hey, let's, let's, let's end this conversation. Let's change the conversation. Let's make sure, man, we've got a solid uh, thing of foundation. When we engage people, our main concern should not be their political persuasion or whether our main concerns, do they know Jesus? Do they know the one who loves their soul and who's come after them to rescue them? That must be restored in the church, right? So Father, we just thank you this morning. Lord, I pray you just take this word like a burning ember in our soul. Lord, set us on fire, Lord, for your glory. Restore your church, Lord. Do what you need to do in our hearts. Among your people in this time, Lord, fortify our hope. And Father, I pray anyone out there who's struggling with the assurance of their salvation, struggling in a place of not sure where they're at with Jesus, Holy Spirit, I pray just overwhelm them. Save them, God. Overwhelm them. Let them know they can run into your arms just as they are. And your grace will wash over them, God. Lord, we love you. Holy Spirit, now we just ask in this time, we're going to just encourage each other just as you've called us to. The body needs to encourage each other. And Lord, I, I just pray, Holy Spirit, you'll just come to into this time. Lord, you, we, we lay hold of that promise where two or more are gathered. You're here, God. We, we want to experience you. We want to rejoice in you. We want to rest in you. Lord, we want to be healed in you. Come, Holy Spirit, now. In Jesus' name, amen. So just every week we've been... Um, trying to be obedient to what, uh, what God says in his word, and we're to encourage each other. There's two mics up here, and uh, we had some phenomenal testimonies and just encouraging. Um, one, one prophecy this morning, and it was, it was, I just claimed that's mine. I needed that. I needed that. It was, it was just awesome, um, just dealing with, with sleep, um, just, just the battle of sleep and, and, and attack right now at, at nighttime, and it was amazing uh, testimony. So, man, whatever's on your heart, man, it could be people got up, if it's a word, a, a passage, a promise of God that you've laid hold of, a testimony. Remember, there's, this isn't a place for politics. This is a place for the kingdom of God, the promises of God. Keep it short. We're to encourage each other, right, in this time. But, man, let's just take some time now, be quiet before the Lord, trust that His Spirit is going to come and encourage us and be with us, and let's, let's, let's be available. Lord, let me be available to, to encourage my brothers and sisters and bring a word, right, um, as we're led. So, so let's enjoy his presence and just come and share as the Lord leads. I never want to miss an opportunity to thank the Lord for His um, goodness. On, uh, as Pastor Steve alluded, on Monday we were in Jackson Hole in a hot air balloon. We just recovered from COVID, thanking the Lord for His goodness, getting us through that. And um, we uh, were one of four hot air balloons, and we're just looking at some of the most incredible beauty. We're just thanking the Lord of just how gorgeous and spectacular all of this is. 
And the next minute we look over and we see this hot air balloon slam into the ground. I go, wow, like, look bad. Like, gee, but our pilot seems relaxed um, about it. And uh, we see another one hit into the ground and I look over at Jade. I'm like, gee, this looks, this looks quite bad, but we, we're fine. We're up in the air and we're just cruising along. And the next minute I look over past Jade and we are heading towards the ground at an unbelievable speed. And I just scream, brace for impact. There's 20 people in a hot air balloon and it slams into the ground, turns sideways and we get dragged up. Bam, bam, bam. And all I know to do is just say, Jesus, Jesus. And I'm screaming. Everybody's screaming and I'm just screaming the name of Jesus because we can barely hold on. Uh, I don't know how Gabby's going to stay in this. We're completely sideways as we lift up, you know, completely on our side. Things are falling out. You just, please, Lord, just keep us in here. It eventually comes to a stop in a ravine. And we get out wet and... Um, there's over 20 people in hospital. There's people still facing surgeries. There's a lady fighting for her life. And uh, we realize, like, our life is but a vapor. Our life is but a vapor. One minute you're like, oh, I'm on top of the world. Look at this. And the next minute you're like, wow, life's ending. And um, just to be reminded, there are things worse than death. There are things worse than death. Worse, worse than death. And uh, to know that our family is um, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. There's certain things that we just don't have to fear, but we thank the Lord that he's still got a plan and a purpose for us here. A day and a half later, we're in this little town in Idaho. We don't even know where we are. Can't even tell you the name of the place. And we get out of our car. It's nine o'clock at night. And this little girl says to us, you were on the hot air balloon. We say, yes. She says, so were we. And there the family come around. I said, I don't even know where we are. God must have wanted us to meet because the doctor, he's a doctor, was the father of the family, husband and wife and their kids. The doctor said, um, I broke my nose. I tore every muscle in my shoulder. I tore my pec. I broke my ribs. I've damaged my spleen. We've been in hospital for all this time. Just I'm going to go get surgery back in New York. And um, he had thrown his kid when they crashed the first time, he threw his son out. He said, we're going to die. I want my son to live. And um, the pilot of their hot air balloon fell out. And they had to land this hot air balloon somewhere themselves. The pilot was screaming instructions from the ground. So I don't know what we're doing here. I don't know where we are, but God meant for us to meet. And God's got a plan for us to, uh, to do something. So anyway, we just thank the Lord. We thank the Lord for this wonderful church, this word today. Man. There, there are things worse than death. There are things worse than COVID and the wrong political outcomes. Um, and so uh, we love you, Lord. We want to walk with you. We want our family. You are our family. Those who do the will of the Father. Okay, I had an idea while Pastor C was talking, and then I want you guys to pretend with me for a second. Bear with me. There's two kingdoms. There's a kingdom of light and a kingdom of darkness. Okay? Every morning when you wake up, you have two options. You have two sets of eyes, and you can pick up either one to put them on. You can turn on the news and watch the media, or you can pick up your word and read this. These are your two lenses, your two pairs of glasses, so to speak. For though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. Okay, we can pick this up and realize that that's truth. Okay, our, we're not fighting. Our, our enemy is not COVID. Our enemy is not a weakened economy. Our enemy is fear right now. Our enemy is doubt right now. Our enemy is being afraid to walk back into our church building for fear of getting sick. Like, which kingdom are you living in? The light or the darkness? Are you looking through this lens or the media? 
And then in Isaiah, have you not known, have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint, and to him who has no might, he increases strength. Even youths shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted. But they who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not be faint. There's a lot going on, but if we lean on God, we're not doing it. We don't have to do anything. He does it. We just have to look at him and we're going to be fine. So now realize we're not pretending. There are two kingdoms, one of light and one of darkness. And you do have two choices. When you wake up in the morning, you can look through this lens or look through the world's lens. Which one are you going to look through? Stand together, if you will. Ariel, thanks for that. Clint, thanks for that, brother. I want us to take just a moment before we depart here today. And uh, just with listening to Ariel, I want each each of us to have an opportunity just to lay before God uh, the areas of our lives that he may show us where we need to uh, have faith, where we need to lay something before him. I don't know what it is. Some area may be work. It may be resources. It may be health. It may be relationships. It may be, uh, I don't know, but let's take that and, uh, and let's just be still before the Lord right now for a moment. And just from after hearing the word and after being together and worshiping him, let's say, Lord, speak to me. And when he does, let's, uh, let's make note of that and be ready to act on faith. Uh, what with what he shows us. Let's take just a moment. Some of you may want to have a longer conversation about some of those things. Certainly, many of us may. But we know He speaks to us, and we know He counsels us. Our whole, the Holy Spirit is our counselor, among other things. But let's pray. Father, thank You for Your Word. Thank You for, God, a word of hope and encouragement this morning. Lord, You hold our lives in Your hands. And you tell us, Lord, this day has enough trouble of its own. And so, Lord, we put our lives and our day in your hands. We pray, Lord, that you would direct us and counsel us. And, Lord, let us be a people who wait for you, who listen to you, who long to hear your voice and your counsel. And, Lord, let us make time, not only now, not only here and now, but, Lord, when the day is rolling, when there are demands coming or approaching or approaching God let us be a faithful people to make time and space in our minds and hearts and in our physical circumstances 
to draw near to you, to listen to you, to reflect before you, to pray to you, Lord. Lord, we want to be a people who hear and listen for your voice and respond. And so, Lord, show us. Show us how we can live to honor you this week, this day. We love you, Lord. Thank you for this time together. May you be honored in our lives now and always, Lord. In Jesus' mighty name, all of God's people said together, amen. Amen, church. God bless you. Thank you for listening to this message. To hear other messages or learn more about Crossroads Church, visit our website at ccaspen.com.